hype man. I think, I think he'd be a good hype man. If you don't know what that is, ask somebody later. What's a hype man? Um, hey, I want to share a little bit about um, kind of a, a picnic that we're having and also a light group that has kind of uh, taken some of the responsibility of it. So, R Richard, where are you at, bro? Are you hiding from me? Where are you at, bro? Oh, yeah, come on up, man. I, you don't normally sit there, do you, bro? Don't you normally sit over here? Yeah? Come on up, man. Yeah, that's it. Keep moving around. Come on up. Come on up, brother. Yeah, with your Oakland, I'm sorry, Los, Las Vegas Raiders shirt on. Hey, it was a gift. It was a gift. I'm not a big Raider. Haters, Las Vegas. We have an NFL team, and I'm getting murmuring in the crowd. Anyway, could you talk a little bit about kind of like our light group and kind of like, you know, the, um, the um, uh, church? Yeah. And uh, by the way, his grandson right, is sitting right there, but he want to come up, so you can give him some love too right there. He was like, no, don't make me come up there. Well, that was why I started this Bible study in the first place is because of that guy. You know, uh, I don't have my Bible with me. If you read, uh, what is it, Titus chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, that's what I want to instill upon him. You know, because we have uh, the young guys coming to our to our Bible study, and that's what's most important. You know, these guys are our future, and we're sending them out into a battlefield, you know? And it just, you know, one mistake, and they, and they can blow it really bad for somebody else by not setting a good example, you know? I don't, I don't expect him to go out there and, and convert the world, but I do expect him to set a good example of what a Christian man is, you know? And so that's how it all started, you know? And it was, it was small at first, and at one point, we had like 22 people coming, and it was, it was kind of overwhelming. But it's kind of stabled out. We got a real good core group now. We got some, some outstanding people. And I, I could be here all day telling you about each and every one of them. But the whole thing is for the children. Even though that these last couple of weeks, because school started, we haven't been seeing them. And this guy, he, he has a class now on, on Thursday night, so we can't, he's not going to do it. But the class won't last forever, and he'll, he will be back, right? I didn't hear that, right? Okay, you know. But, um, and uh, I'm in charge of the, uh, I guess I'm in charge of the picnic. So if you guys need anything, just give me a call or a call or whatever. Uh, somebody uh, send me an email, Wayne and Shirley, and I'll get to you. I'll get to you when I can, soon, real soon. But what we need, we got the, the main dish, which is going to be hot dogs, hamburgers, ribs, and uh what is it, hot links? We got that covered. And we got the salads covered, potato salad, macaroni salad, and stuff like that. Jerk chicken? We need to get the jerk chicken covered? Okay. Whatever that is. Um, okay, we need rolls. We need beverages and side dishes. Okay, and um, what what I what we're doing as a small group is we're going to do a marchathon, and what we did is each person's going to get five, ten sponsors at ten dollars a piece, and then we're going to take that money and put it in the building fund or wherever Richie needs thinks we should put it, you know, because as a small group we've been we've been going on for like two years, and we're just starting to gel now. We're going to get our feet wet this October by doing that because that's what we want to do. We want to help raise money to help support the church. And um, I wish all the light groups would do that because, you know, it all adds up. You know, my mom once said, you save 20 bucks a month and just watch. 
and it will. So if we chip away at this, and all of us, all the light groups we do, how can you stand there with that light like that? You know, I'm going to get over here. No, there's no getting away from this stuff. Well, anyway, that's what we're doing, you know, and, and we want everybody to come out, you know, so, and so try to bring, try to bring a dish so that we don't run out. We, we got the main dish covered, I'm pretty sure. You know, Aura was supposed to be here, and she's not here. She let me down. That's my, that's my girl right there. She's not, you guys know Aura Dunson? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of faces. That, you know, since I came back two years ago, there's a lot of faces in this church that have influenced me, and you guys may not know it. People like Barb right there. She, she's been in Pastor Al, Allen and his family. A lot of you guys have influenced me. If somebody told me 30, 37 years ago that I would have a Bible study and my children would be worshiping the Lord, wow, man, that would have been something. You know, I, I, I would have said, no way. You know, our children always shine to shine in our eyes, either through tears, either joyful tears or sad tears. But it's, and when I hear my grandson and my daughter sharing the word at the Bible study, it touches my heart deep, real deep. Like today, when I seen little Richie sit playing those drums, that touched my heart because I remember this guy doing that. You know, and it's just amazing to see these kids. We have some outstanding kids. You know, we're going to lose some because some of them are seniors. And they're going to probably move on. But, hey, maybe some more will come along. And that's what it's all about. We need to support these guys. We need to influence them. Make them strong when they go out in that world. Rather be to go away to school or the service or work the workforce because they can be influenced. They pick kids are, what do you call it, they're uh, orientated. They pick up things. We don't want that. We want them to let things out rather than pick up things off the world, you know. And, well, I don't want to say nothing, but okay. okay. Well, that's about it, huh? Okay. All right. Oh yeah, the sign-up sheets back there, and you know, I, I get kind of nervous whenever I have to come up here because I see this mic, and it reminds me of Elvis. You know, when he goes like that. You ever seen that picture of him? And you know that song. Is that mine? No, that's mine. Hey, that, that song, you know, uh, I No Longer Fear, well, that, that helped me today because you know, I get nervous coming up here. So that was a good song. All right. Thanks, man. So all of our light groups have a, a charge, um, among other things. That is to do four outreach opportunities or service projects a year, four a year. So this is one example where, as a light group, you can join together and do something specific. Maybe it's kids' games, or maybe it's, um, you know, uh, dessert, or uh, maybe your particular light group will bring the jerk chicken. I'm not sure, but um, <clears throat> you can Google it later if you don't know what that is. But uh, so yeah, so this is this is what we do. We do connect Sunday, but then grow, and we grow in those intimate relationships. Growth happens in community. Okay, growth happens in community. You can grow close to the Lord on an island. You can. However, growth happens in community. That's the way it's designed. And so in our grow slash light groups, we're, we're learning, we're growing, we're, we're beginning today this eight-week series called God Swears, which I am so excited about. I can hardly stand it. I want you to uh, covenant 
right now that you will do your best in spite of the NFL schedule to be here for the next eight weeks and then to attend a light group somewhere. There, in the back, there's a yellow sheet of paper that has all the information on the 10 or 11 light groups that are back there. Pick one, join in, and we will not be meeting on Wednesday night. And the reason we're not meeting on Wednesday night for the next eight or nine weeks or so is so that we can funnel everybody out to light groups. That's how important that is to us, okay? And so uh, that's that. And um, I want to let you know that at the end of our time, there will be an offering for um, uh, a, a missions offering, and a portion of what you give will go to Foursquare Financial Relief, uh, which is providing aid both in the Houston area and we want to be praying also for what's going on in Florida as well because that's, you know, that's, uh, that's, that could be really, really devastating. So we want to be able to give now of our tithes and our offerings, and so it's kind of our weekly celebration. If our ushers could come on forward, and um, also just so you know, we do have an app, a Living Grace app, and you can go to our website, livinggrace.net, if you'd like to give as well. And so let me pray for this, and then we'll uh, hand these out, and we'll sort of get busy. By the way, if you're a guest this morning, inside your bulletin is a little tear-out portion. If you could give us your information, or if you have a prayer request, um, whether you're a guest or not, tear that out. You can drop it in the bag as it goes by, or there's a little box in the back. You can put it back there, and uh, we'll make sure to be praying for you. And we want to connect with you, okay? So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your, your love for us. And Lord, as we, as we give this morning, God, that you would take these finances, multiply them for the furtherance of your kingdom. We talked last week about your model prayer for us where you said, thy kingdom come, O Father. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Use these finances multiply them that your kingdom would come in this place, in this church, in our city, in our lives. Let it be, O oh God. And so we give out of cheerful hearts, not of compulsion. And we say, God, take it, use it for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. If you go ahead and pass those bags, please. Thank you very much in advance for giving. And so... Um, We'll say a prayer at the end for those in Florida as well as in, um, in, in Houston. We don't want to forget that. And there's so many other things going on in the world. It's just driving in this morning. My wife and I were talking, and it's like, yeah, let's not forget about this. Let's not forget about what happened in India where there's millions of people that have been displaced, and it's just like, wow. Um, so uh, our series, our series is called God Swears to Keep His Promises, and it's all about covenant. Um, have you ever uh, been, have you ever entered into a contract? Anybody at all ever entered into a contract? You know, and uh, maybe it was a car that you bought, or if you buy a property or a house, you know that there's endless, endless reams of paper that you have to sign. And maybe, maybe you like your signature is real nice and you like to do it real eloquent and it's long. And by the time you get to the last page, you're just scribbling, right? Just to get a line through. Cause it's like, okay, how many more documents do I have to sign? Or maybe it's at a bank where you trying to get a loan for something or, or whatever. But, um, uh, it's amazing that there's all of this paperwork when it comes to a contract. Now, I know there was a time, and maybe in our own nation, when a handshake was good enough, right? All right, let's shake on it, man. We shook hands, and, and there didn't need to be a contract. 
Well, you know, those days are long gone. And so contracts are written, I guess, for a number of reasons. For example, if you go to a bank and you sign a loan or some sort of contract, they're basically telling you what they will do. Because they want to be sure that everything is spelled out very clearly and to the best of your ability that you understand it, right? How many of you guys, when you sign up for something online and it says, check here, that you read all the responsibilities or all the things that, that you need to know? How many of you guys actually read, though? There are like seven or eight or nine pages. There, there might be some that say, well, I want to read through this whole thing. I got to tell you, when I'm signing up for something, it's like, check here. I don't check the email me box. I don't want any more information, but I don't read that. I, I don't. But if you're signing off on it, boy, they want you to know it. They want to make sure you understand what their responsibility is. For example, they'll lend you this amount of money at this kind of interest, and, and your responsibility is to pay it back, right? Now, and so, so it, it kind of d- details what they'll do, but it really holds you to what you'll do because the, the issue is it's a lack of trust, and maybe it's a lack of trust with them, but maybe it's a bigger lack of trust with them, with us, right? Because if you don't pay this back, there's fees, there's penalties, there's this, and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, you go through all of this stuff. And uh, you know, what's interesting is at, at a typical marriage ceremony that happens is there are all of these things that take place, things that we just have grown accustomed to, but we really may not know what the history of it is. And many of it has its origin in ancient covenant, right? Like you, you, you state your vows and you say, I, I swear, I swear by the grace of God. And you repeat by the grace of God that I will love you. I will love you. I will honor you. And you're, you're stating vows and that is all ancient covenant language and there's a little thing at the end where you say till death do you part you remember saying that you ever anybody you guys say that and you're like till death let me think about that right think about those words no i no i mean this and you go till death i don't know why we say it in king james but till death do we part and you go oh wow oh and you know what's, what's, what's hurtful is that maybe there was a time in your life where you said those words and you really, really meant that. But you know what? Anytime you get two imperfect people in a what's supposed to be a perfect arrangement but doesn't always end that way, sometimes it doesn't connect like that, right? Sometimes it doesn't. But maybe you really meant it. You did. And you're like, ah. Man, well, contracts are all around us, Uh, but today we're going to talk about covenant. Everybody say covenant. Listen, I am so excited about this. This is so good. It's so deep. Today we're going to talk about some of the things that are sort of the foundational aspects of covenant. It's going to be just a little bit technical, but I have to do that to set the base. So also, as we talk about these things, you're going to be thinking about maybe scriptures that you've read or even things that you've done that have been covenant language. So I want to kind of set that foundation. Contracts are all around us. And somebody once said to me, well, contracts are meant to be broken. I'm like, wow, remind me never to enter into any kind of contract with you. Right? So one of the words in the Old Testament is bereath. And it means, in a sense, 
a, a, a cutting. And that's going to make sense to you in just a little bit. But uh, uh, it's, a, it's a compact or an agreement made by passing through uh, uh, pieces of flesh. Okay, don't get weirded out yet. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. It also means a league, a, a union. But it's in the Old Testament scripture 280 times. There's another word, uh, diathike, which means uh, uh, sort of a testament. So it's, it's because it's oral or maybe even written, it's a testament. In fact, in our Bible, we have an Old Testament or an Old diathike and a New Testament. Okay? Another word is zakar, which when I get a dog, I think zakar would be a great name for that dog. I don't know why I think those things, but I do. And it means to remember, to think of, to mention. For example, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, it says God remembered Noah. Uh, now, now you might, if you're making a list here, you might want to write down some of these terms. But just write down God remembered. Because that's one of those, whenever, what we're trying to do is over the next eight weeks is, we want you to read the word of God through the filter of covenant. And you'll see it again and again. You'll be amazed at how much uh, the, 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 the Bible speaks of this covenant. One word is God remembered. Genesis 18 says, God remembered Abraham. That's a covenant term. It's not that God forgot. Like, oh, what about Abraham? Oh, I forgot. I can put that on. I told you to put it on the calendar. No, it's, it's the, the word. <laughs> that's what I would do. Ah! The word remembered means that God is bringing to fruition the covenant that he has entered into with Abraham. Does that make sense? God remembers um, uh, and, and brought Lot out of the catastrophe. And, and so now, so bereave, diathike, and zakar are words for the process of covenant. That's the process. But then there's a word that to me is, is, is like a Mount Everest word in the Bible that, that speaks of once the covenant is already active. Okay, so there's the process of entering into covenant, and then there is the covenant that's, that's in place. Okay, um, um, that word is, is, is chesed. And if you have to say it in the proper Jewish uh, uh, Old Testament dialect, you have, to, you, have to, you have to get that part out. Pardon me if I... Chesed. Yes. Yeah you, you, yeah, you guys like that, right? What did your pastor talk about yesterday at church? Chassid. You have to kind of make sure you don't get too close when you say that. Oh, about the chassid. What's that? Oh, you don't know? Yeah, right, I know. Chassid, and the other word is loving kindness. And you'll see that word 219 times, variations in the Old New Testament in the Bible. And it's the relationship that one has with another because this covenant has been made. Uh, another name for it is, is covenant love, and that's in the Jerusalem Bible. Uh, the vines, which is sort of a commentary on Old Testament and New Testament words, says this about chesed. It says that it's one of the most important vocabulary words of the Old Testament theology and ethics. Think about this. This word, covenant, according to this Greek scholar, is such a 
big word that it's one of the foundational words of God, really, and his character in the Bible. And so we see throughout the scriptures chesed between men. For example, we'll talk about how David and Jonathan entered into a chesed, a covenant. It's between nations. Uh, You might read in Joshua chapter 9 of how the Israelites entered into a covenant with the Gibeonites. Do you remember how God told Israel, go into the land and and don't pick up the practices, you know, uh, uh, cleanse it, destroy the people because they're an evil people and and this is what you need to do and, and don't enter into any agreement with them. And remember the Gibeonites, how, how they, 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 you know, dirtied up their clothes and tarnished their leather and wore, put on their raggedy clothes, and they made it sound like they came from a great, great distance. And they sort of lied to Joshua and all, oh no, we're, we're, we've come a long way. Please enter into covenant with us. And they said, uh, okay, well, yeah, sure, why not? And, and they enter into covenant with them, and then they found out they were from around the corner like, you guys lied to us. Now, you would think that in today's world, if that were to happen, you'd be like, man, this contract is, is void. It's annulled. We are out of this contract because you guys lied on the basic premise of it. And you might have a reasonable case. But in, not, in old, not in the Bible, when you entered into covenant, you were in. They found out that the Gibeonites lied to them and they entered into covenant with them and they went, snap! (laughs) Because we're stuck with them now. Because we entered into covenant. Feel that? Feel that? That weight? Okay. So uh, Judah and and Tyre and Amos enter into covenant. Um, And then there's the covenant between God and man. Now, I want you to get this foundational point, too, is that man never enters into covenant with God. Okay? I know you believe you found Jesus and you, you, you accepted Jesus into your life, which you did. But guess what? You don't enter into covenant with God. Okay? God um, always takes the initiative when it comes to covenant. He always... Uh, 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 goes after his people. Your part is you responded to the covenant that God offered you. I mean, you, and and even the Bible tells us that unless the Holy Spirit draws you to him, you can't even come to him because you have to come as the Holy Spirit draws you and then you come into covenant with him. Your eyes are open. You go, whoa, yes, this is the heck, this is the greatest deal yet. I mean, I, I get all of this stuff plus I get God, right? Okay, so, so that's, that's responding by faith and obedience, all right? And so, so a little bit of the language of covenant, right? Which I love this stuff. I love it when I see it in action. Um, and, and a lot of times when we do communion, you'll hear me say this, okay? So, so if it sounds a little repetitive, that's good. Uh, the old preacher said, let repetition be reinforcement because we want to reinforce covenant whenever we can. So the great language of covenant in in the ancient Near East is something like this. A a great, mighty king, I mean a massive king, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, okay, Uh, the the, the most powerful nation on earth in in his time, they 
they will oftentimes go into a nation and rather than just utterly destroying everything and everyone in it, they will allow that nation to enter into a covenant with them. The, the term is they will impose a covenant. Okay, so King, King Zedekiah was the last sort of Jewish king in the southern kingdom of Israel before Babylon came in and just really, there were three different sieges against, Babel, against Jerusalem and the third siege, they had had enough. And so King Zedekiah entered into a covenant with Babylon. And it was really in his best interest to do that because the option of just dying wasn't all that pleasant to him. And so it was sort of an act of kindness for this great king to enter into a covenant or allow Zedekiah and the nation of of Judah to enter into covenant. And for Zedekiah, it was a great situation. He enters into a a union with the greatest king on on the planet at that time. Uh, He remains king in Judah, and most importantly, he doesn't die. And, And see, Nebuchadnezzar can't get out of the covenant because you just don't do that. And listen, Zedekiah should not want out of the covenant because there's all, there's all these promises that come along with that. If someone attacks Judah, Babylon comes to their rescue. Uh, they, they essentially become one nation. He, he comes under the, the, the covering and the protective care of Nebuchadnezzar, which even the prophet Jeremiah told Zedekiah, listen, don't fight against Babylon surrender, you might as well open your gates because they are coming anyway. Don't rebel against them and live and be prosperous and settle down. But of course, that's not what happened. It was a great situation. It was a great opportunity. Zedekiah didn't believe the prophet Jeremiah, what he had said over and over again, and he chose to fight against Babylon, and it was not good for him, okay? It was not good at all. He tried to escape, and they caught him, and eh, I'll just leave out what they did to him and his sons, okay? So, now here's the, here's the important point about covenant in this context. Zedekiah has nothing to offer Babylon or Nebuchadnezzar. He's got all the goods. He has been God-ordained to be the king of the world. And Zedekiah is like, and, and even Judah, they ransacked Judah. They took all the gold and all the things that Solomon, t- and they just, they destroyed the city, broke down the walls. And it was, it was just, it was devastated. Okay? So I want you to get that. Zedekiah it brings nothing to the table. Whether he's in covenant with him or he destroys him to the king of Babylon, it don't make any difference. But because of his mercy, you could say loving kindness, he enters a covenant with him. You get that? Okay? All right. Are you, are you hearing anything in your head about, about covenant when it comes? Because I want you to be thinking about our covenant with Jesus our covenant with the Lord. I want you to be thinking about that the whole time, all right? And so that was one thing. The other thing is a covenant representative, okay? The covenant representative was someone who was chosen to symbolize uh, the covenant that was actually in place. 
This person represented the embodiment of the covenant. Like wherever that person went, in a sense, that, that's where that, that he, he symbolized, he, he lived out. You could always point to him and say, oh yes, we're in covenant with Babylon. And there's our covenant representative right there. Uh, he's no longer a normal citizen. Now he's chosen to rep- represent the nation. I guess the best analogy we have is like Secretary of State. Our Secretary of State, when he, when, when he goes or she goes to represent us, that everything that America is goes with them, uh, everything that they sign off or agree to, we all agree to, though we may not necessarily know that person, we may not necessarily agree with that person, but as a nation, if they sign a document, it's just like the president signing it, right? Okay? Uh, so, so that person becomes someone who acts on behalf of the president. They work together with them. They, they, whatever they commit to, the nation commits to. So think covenant representative. Now, here's another key word that I want to give you. Write this down. It's in him. Okay? In him. All right? Because those two, uh, uh, each party, let's say Babylon and Judah, would elect a covenant representative who would come out and represent the nation. They would come together and they would be in agreement and ancient covenant language would say the covenant is in him. And the nation, as a result, is is in covenant through that representative. Okay? That's the key that I want you to get. And that was the terminology, in him. Um, The the two would often meet and, and exchange Weapons or gifts, usually an animal that was a bull, a young bull. Why? Because a bull represents strength, would be sacrificed. The head would be cut off and it would be sliced down the center. And then that bull would be separated. All right? Um, and and the, 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 sim, the, sim, the symbolism is, is that this was such a serious deal that you were literally saying, if I violate this covenant in any way, may what happened to that bull happen to me. So, so that, was the, that was the language that was involved. Now, each covenant representative would lock arms, arm in arm, and they would walk through this in a, in a figure eight. They'd walk through together this massive flesh and blood, because it's a blood covenant, They'd walk through it, and notice as they, as they go around, now, now I'm on the other side of, of it. And so it's, it's this symbol of unity, this symbol of agreement, but mostly it's a, it's a blood covenant. It's a promise uh, uh, to, to take responsibility for one another, to protect one another, uh, to, to be there for one another. And this was a serious deal, all right? Now, oftentimes... Uh, the promises or the conditions. And when you read the Bible where God enters into covenant with Israel, uh, all the, the, in the preamble, everything is, is laid out just so it's really, really clear. And it's usually, you know, the lesser of the two kings that does all the reading, right? Um, then they would, they would raise their right hand because the right hand is a symbol of strength. Now, for all you lefties out there, don't be, don't be mad, but the right hand, you know, Jesus is seated at the... Right hand of the fathers. No disrespect to lefties, but the right hand was a symbol for strength and for life, and they would swear to that agreement. 
oftentimes they'd make a cut on their finger or on their arm because this is a blood covenant and they would take the blood and they would smear it. Remember when you were a kid? Maybe you did this where you pricked yourself with a pin and you go, hey man, we're blood brothers, man. Anybody, any, any, no, y'all? Y'all not from that, that part of town, are you? Where you were blood covenant, man. Right on. That's my brother from another mother. No, okay. You're entering, you know, we did it. We, we, yeah, man, friends forever. Yeah. Yeah, well, we didn't have Facebook, you know, where we could really be friends forever. Come on, man. I grew up in the military. Every two years, we were out of there. Like, all right, see you, bro, you know. New school, new friends. Okay? Um, now, in Africa, a lot of times, they'll take that, that incision or that cut, and they'll put gunpowder on it. And what that does is it causes it to raise up so that there's a mark, not just a cut, but a mark. A lot of times you'll see it. Even on the faces, you'll see tribal markings. Sometimes that has to do with a young man entering into manhood. Sometimes that has to do with covenant, right? Uh, and so, um, and, and so, so, the, so, so, so let's say it was a cut on the hand, and they'd raise their right hand, and the blood would flow. And it, would, it was, again, a symbol of saying, this is not just mere words, that this is a blood covenant a promise okay um it's it's the shedding of the blood of the bull first but it's also the shedding of my own blood in entering do do you do you get this Are are you feeling the severity and the significance of this now here's the thing once the blood was shed there's no going back that's it you're in. You cannot change your mind. You can't say, well, you know, being uh, under Babylon isn't everything I thought it was going to be. We've changed our minds. What? Okay, listen. It was unthinkable that you would do that. This is not a casual agreement. It's not entered into lightly. The stakes are high. In fact, Zedekiah rebelled against the covenant that he had made with Babylon. As a result, he lost the last thing he saw before his eyes were gouged out where his sons murdered before him. All because he violated the covenant. Even in the word of God, the Lord says, you have violated the covenant. I can't even help you now. Because he went back to Jeremiah and says, what is God saying? Can you help? And Jeremiah's like, ain't nothing we can do for you now. Not even God can help. Of course, God could, but you violated the covenant, Zedekiah. See how serious that is? I want you to feel that, all right? So the covenant's written down. It's signed and sealed in front of witnesses, and it's read to all the people. Sometimes every two or three years, it would be brought out and read again as a reminder. And then they would call upon their gods. Okay, they, Israel would call upon the God of Israel in the name of Yahweh, we, we, we promise, so, so you literally bring your God into the covenant, you know, in a marriage ceremony, I swear by God, whoo, that I will, da, 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 da. Oh, that was no light thing. Now you're, now you, not only do you have the witnesses in front, now you have God as witness. God would say to Israel, you know what, I am, I am witness against you that you've broken my covenant. He would use those terms as Israel would, would, go, would go away from his laws and his decrees and his covenant. 
And then now it's now it's it's all done now. You're calling upon your God to curse you if you violate this and to bless you if you keep it. Right? And then there's the fun part. I guess that's the covenant meal. Right? Got to have a meal. And there would be cake and no, I'm just kidding. No, not the, the covenant meal usually included two things, bread and wine. Interesting. Think communion. Okay, one loaf of bread. And each covenant representative would take a piece of that loaf and they'd eat it together, symbolizing their unity or their oneness. They would each take one uh, 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 chalice, whatever it was, and they would each drink out of it. Sometimes they would even take a drip of that blood and put it into the wine, which of course would be offensive to those who follow the Old Testament law. But further signifying this unity, this oneness, we drink from the same cup, right? Okay. Um, Sometimes there'd be a memorial. Uh, Maybe they would stack some stones as you read through the Old Testament, you see that the, 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 the children of Israel would stack stones near the River Jordan where the, where the river parted and the river and the people walked through and they set up a monument. And, and, they, and the Lord would say, whenever your children ask you, what does this monument mean? Tell them it's about my covenant with you. Listen, our children need to know about our monuments. They need to know about our, 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 our history. They, they need to know about, about our culture. It's important to know that. Um, and uh, so um, <clears throat> sheep would be exchanged or maybe trees or something to symbolize that covenant. All right? You got it? You guys all experts on covenant now? All right, let's, let's kind of progress and talk about God. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse uh, 6 through 9 says this, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. And I want you to hear this through the lens or through the, through the ears of covenant. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. You might want to circle chosen there. Okay. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations. For you were the smallest of the nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord, what? loves you, and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to whom? Your ancestors. Who were their ancestors? Oh, go back to Abraham. You could even go back to Adam, which we will. Okay? That is why um, the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Verse 9 says this, Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his what? Covenant for thousands, uh, 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 generations, and and what does what? Lavishes his un what? Unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. The New American Standard puts it this way: Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God, and and, and He is the what? The faithful God, who does what? Keeps His covenant and His. There it is. And who does he keep his loving kindness to? To the thousandth generation, to those who love him and keep his commands. All right. At the core of who God is. So you've got to get this. I've got to get this. And I want to grow in it every day. You've got to get 
we, I, need to get this nature of God that is a covenant-keeping God. we we got to get this. After the golden calf incident, if, if, you, if you remember that, you know, Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments, and the children of Israel uh, are getting a little restless, and, you know, they just came out of Egypt, so they used to, like, you know, being a little rebellious, you know, and, and worshiping all these false gods, and Moses is taking too long, and so they, they, they create, you know, this golden calf that they begin to worship and bow down, and, and they have this hedonistic weekend, like people come to Vegas and do, and it's like, whoo, and they're bowing down, and, and all this other stuff, and they're, they're, you know, like the covenant, the ink isn't even dry on the covenant yet, and they're already violating parts of it, not a good thing, um, and so... God shows up, and this is what he says in Exodus 34, verse 4 through 7. He says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him, that is Moses, there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, what? Merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in what? Loving kindness and truth, keeping what? Mercy, that's a covenant term, and what? Loving kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and to the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Okay, that's God's description of himself. Moses says, who are you? What's your name? And he goes, you know what? Well, not what's your name. He is I am, but, but this is his heart, his nature, if I could use that terminology, uh, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness and truth. That's who our God is. So here's my first point. I know what you're thinking. How many points do you have? I have two, all right? Really three. First point is God is a covenant-keeping God, okay? God will always keep his end of the deal every time, okay? We are not always faithful. I don't know about you. I'm not. Sorry, I'm not. I try. I rely on his strength. I can't do it on my own. I acknowledge that every day. But he is a covenant-keeping God. Okay, now here's the second part. And, and, and just, just this is where we shift gears because if it isn't practical, then what's the point? All right? God will only deal with people based on covenant. Hear me. God deals with people based on the covenant that you have with him. Okay? That's how he deals. And by deal, I don't mean just negatively. I mean everything, everything hinges on the, the, the covenant that you have with him or not. Okay? Everything hinges on that. All right? So we're going to just take two quick ones and, and, and we're going to kind of blow through them just so you get the context of what I'm talking about here. All right? So the first covenant in the Bible is called the Edenic Covenant. Go back, goes back to Eden. It was a conditional covenant. Covenants can be conditional or they can be uh, uh, unconditional. All right? Conditional means I'm going to do this, 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 but you got to do this, 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 and this. Okay? And so Adam is given charge of the garden, and there is a covenant that God enters into him, and he is to uh, populate the earth. He's to subdue the earth. He's to exercise dominion over animal creation. He's to care for the garden and eat its fruit. By the way, work happened before original sin. So work is not a curse. (laughs) 
I know what you're thinking. Oh, you don't know my job, man. It's a curse. No, no, we're, I, I don't know. Maybe it is, but I'm saying that, that he's to, he, the, Adam had a job. He was the gardener in, in Eden. You know, that had to be kind of fun. I don't know. And, and then, watch this. Another part of that conditional con, and here's where the condition comes in. Okay, populate the earth, subdue the earth, exercise dominion, you know, trim the palm trees, whatever it was. But don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil under penalty of death. Okay, that was the condition. It says, Genesis 2, 15 through 17, The Lord God placed the man in the garden to tend and watch over him, but the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you uh, are sure to die. So that was a conditional covenant. So man starts in covenant relationship with God. And interestingly... He has to choose whether or not he will be who God has created him to be. That's dusty. Wow. (laughs) He has to choose whether or not he will be who God has created him to be. Tell me that's no different from you and I. We have to choose whether or not we will be based on covenant who God has chosen us to be. you know, we can tell God, I don't want to be who you created me to be. We can do that. I did it. I've done it. Okay? Listen, if you're a creature of creation, you have no choice in the matter. Animals don't have free will. I don't believe... There's need for animal psychology. (laughs) Of course you can train an animal, but it's based on instincts like food and, and, you know, love. (laughs) You know, you poop outside, I will love you for it. And they get that. Hey, this is working out good. I'm going to go out there and poop again, you know. I mean, that's, that's not choice. That's not free will. I mean, it's conditional, (laughs) right? Animals don't have personhood. They're not made in the image of God. We have this thing called free will. Man must choose. Choose what? Choose to be obedient to God. Choose to be in covenant with God. So unfortunately, Adam joins the cosmic rebellion against God and chooses not to be the man that God created him to be. And therefore, the second law of thermodynamics kicks into effect. The the creation goes like this and everything goes crazy. He's broken the covenant, and now he's lost his significance in that covenant relationship. Worse, you and I are joined and linked to him. We are in him, covenant word, and therefore we've committed cosmic treason too against God. We've rebelled against God. We're not naturally going to follow God. Everything within us wants to do the opposite of what God says because that's our nature. It's who we are. It doesn't make us bad people. It just means that our heart is desperately wicked and and sinful above all creation. I know this is not a self-help talk, but it's the truth of who we are. Right? That is the issue. Okay, and so we've joined him. And because we're in him, Adam is our covenant representative. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, 
that in Adam all die. Oh, folks, we're almost done. Don't check out yet. Don't worry about the game. Hear me for the next five minutes. We're almost done. I just have to tell you that, all right? Um, So, because we are all born in Adam and we naturally rebel against God, it's our DNA, it's who we are. You can't get away from it. God has to step in. And he has to give us a new covenant representative. Genesis chapter 3, the second covenant that God enters into with Adam is called the Adamic covenant. This one is unconditional. The first one is conditional. Don't eat from the tree. Adam eats from it. Ah, one tree. Come on. You would have done the same thing. Oh, no, I wouldn't. Oh, self-righteous. Yes, you would have. You would have had two or three pieces of fruit before God got to you. Maybe I'm just talking about me. So, because, of, because they broke the covenant, there's consequences. Okay? The serpent is cursed. Satan is judged. Ladies, pain in childbirth. Sorry. Okay? Um, the woman is made subject to her husband. The ground is cursed. And now Adam has to deal with what? Yeah, thorns and thistles. I call them weeds. Especially that nasty iron crabgrass. Hate. Hate it. Adam now has to work from the sweat of his brow. Before that, it was work, but it was easy. Now it's like, man, I got to get on my J-O-B. Adam, what's up? All about the grind, man. I'm grinding it out in the garden, man. Not getting no help from anybody. Anyway, it's a grind now. Sweat, sorrow. And then the worst part, man dies, will die spiritually. He's separate from God, and he will die physically. Because to eat from the tree of life was to live forever. God places an angel with a sword in front of the tree. You don't get this tree. Praise the Lord, it shows up in heaven. We get to partake of that. And we actually get to partake of it now. We'll get to that. So, part of the unconditional covenant is there's a prophecy of one who would come who would be a new covenant representative. Genesis 3.15 says, And I will cause hostility between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, which is a mortal wound. You will strike his heel. You don't recover from your head. And, And that's being Satan would be hit by the new covenant representative, Jesus. So, Genesis 3 says, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins uh, for Adam and his wife. That was a covenant. Blood had to be shed. An innocent animal died. Blood was shed. He takes the skin of that animal and he covers Adam and Eve because up to that point they were nude and they were the only two people on the planet. As soon as their eyes were open to sin, then they were ashamed, which has the context of nakedness. So he covers their nakedness, their shame, their sin. He covers it. And it was a picture to one who would come. So 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says this, For as in Adam all die, 
So also in Christ, also be made alive. There's a new covenant. There's a new covenant representative. If you're in Adam, you die because it's who we are and you're guilty before God. You've committed cosmic treason. You may not be a bad person, but you don't have Jesus. You've spurned his love. You've not entered into covenant with God because the only way God deals with you is through covenant. And that's why Jesus came, died, shed his blood with his with his arms lifted up. And he raised the right hand. Both hands were raised up. And the blood spilled. Whew. Ah. I've never seen that picture before. It connected the two. I'm sorry. It just happened right now. And so because he lives, because he lived and died, rose from the dead. Now I have life. Now that's why Jesus said that he was the way and the truth and the life. And nobody gets to God but through him because he's the only one worthy to be our covenant representative. Who else will represent you before God? Who else has shed their blood? Who else has satisfied the righteous demands of God's holiness and God's law? Jesus. The provision of a chosen people through whom the Messiah would be born is, is the promise of the covenant between Adam and David. The covenant with Noah is the promise that God with, would withhold judgment while salvation is occurring. I'm going to read this last scripture verse 2 and we have an offering to take. Listen, Hebrews 9.13 says this. And you're going to get, all, for the next eight weeks, you're going to get more and more and more of this. Hebrews 9.13 says, under the old system, what is that? The old covenant, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates, think covenant representative, he mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. Let me close by saying this. Who was your covenant representative before God? Your, uh, uh, your granddad who was a pastor? Your Amy who's a deaconess? Who represents you before God Almighty? Some other religious figure? Maybe you think you'll represent yourself. Hmm, it's not what the word says. Yeah. It's all about covenant. Two kinds of people in the world? Oh, that was not five minutes, was it? I'm so sorry. You're either in Adam 
Well, you're in Christ. <clears throat> I want to pray right now at the start of this series a prayer of salvation. I want to pray for anybody here. I don't know for sure, but I want to pray if anybody here would say, you know what? I need Jesus in my life. Not religion. I need Jesus to be my covenant representative. And if that's you and you would, you would receive that, then I want to pray with you. Let me have our, our ushers come forward for our missions offering as well. And some of this is going to go to Foursquare Disaster Relief. And I'll share a little bit about that as we pray. Okay. Don't be distracted from what God wants to do right now if he's working in your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. As the old song says, in Christ alone, I place my trust. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ's own righteousness. The Lord, apart from you, we are dead spiritually and one day physically. But the good news is that even in the garden, God, you set into motion a plan to redeem, to buy back, to bring back your beloved. Today, you may not understand all the details of that, but there's something in your heart that says, man, that, that's me. I'm so in Adam. I'm deep in Adam. But I want out. Understand covenant. Understand that it will take everything. Understand that you are surrendering your life to his will. Even as Jesus said, let your will be done, not mine. Understanding that you, you are giving your heart to him. That you're saying, God, forgive me my sins. I don't want to be in Adam anymore. I want to be in Christ. And if you've never made that commitment, or you just know it's time for me to affirm that again, would you lift up your hand? You say, yeah, that's me. Matt, Pastor, I agree with you. I need that. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Don't leave here thinking you're okay with God. If you know in your heart you're not, is anybody at all would say yes? I see you in the, hand, in the back, brother. God sees your hand. I see someone else back there. Amen. Right there. Amen. Let it be. Let it be. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. God, thank you for those that would say yes to you today. God, would you confirm that? Would you give them that peace that surpasses all understanding for them to know that they are in you today, God. We thank you for your promises because you say you began a good work. You'll be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. And now, Lord, as we give this offering, Lord, that you would take it and multiply it, God, that to, to, to serve those missionaries that we, that we uh, um, um, support, but also, God, even as we give to the relief and and Lord, yes, we pray for, for Houston and what's happened in the coastal regions and even beyond. And we even pray for what's going on in Florida right now, God, that you would have a hedge of protection about your people. Oh, God, do that, Lord. Would you, would you, would you supernaturally save lives and provide for people that don't have it, oh, God? God, that you would lessen this storm. This, you're, you're, the, you're the God who, you're, you, you're above the storm, God. Would you, 
would you bring this thing to a conclusion swiftly, God, with minimal damage? I know it's a big ask, but we believe that you can still speak to the waters. Have mercy, God. Have mercy. We're pulling on your covenant heart and say, have mercy. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all go ahead and pass those bags, please? And um, um, I just want to read this real quickly to you. This is about what Foursquare Disaster Relief is doing in, in Houston. Jason Reynolds says, we desperately need your prayers. Uh, he's the uh, coordinator, uh, the national coordinator for uh, Foursquare Chaplains International. They're organizing relief efforts, which is going to take years from Florida's, I mean, from uh, Foursquare's Mid-South District offices in San Antonio, along with uh, Supervisor Dave Coffey. And here's some specific prayer points. Um, they're praying for no more bad weather. This is in Houston. You can pray the same thing for Florida. For no more bad weather, for floodwaters to recede quickly, for protection for first responders and relief workers, for divine guidance in ministry efforts and godly anointing, for team members, responders face huge logistical challenges from some areas still being difficult to access, to access gas, due to gas shortages in some areas making movement difficult, almost impossible. And so Foursquare Disaster Relief has been able to make funds available electronically to Foursquare churches to purchase food and supplies for distribution to those in need. If you want to do more, you can go to foursquare.org and find out more about what they're doing. I want to ask our, invite our prayer team to come on up here, guys, if you would, please. And we just want to be able to pray for people. And, uh, you know, God bless you. I, I, you know what? I know we went a little bit long today, but I, I just knew, I knew that we had to set this foundation. And uh, so as you read through the word this week and um, as you attend a light group, and you'll get one of these nice books right here uh, to uh, be able to go through some scripture verses and as we do life together, back in the back there, I, I think that they, th those books are there somewhere. But anyway, and if you want to know more about what it is to be in covenant with Jesus, right back there are two gentlemen that would love to s talk to you a little bit further. If you raise your hand, go back there and spend five minutes, and, and they will tell you how you can get plugged in. Amen. God bless you. Have a great, great week in Jesus, and uh, go be a light.